Dr. Arthur Perry, he's one of the top plastic surgeons. He's got offices in Manhattan, New Jersey. You know, and he's been doing a show here on WOR for years and years and years. Very uh, popular show and a great plastic surgeon. Everybody has questions on this subject, so uh, he's the guy to ask. Dr. Arthur Perry. John, the public wants to know. The public doesn't give a damn. And I went to his office, and I said, mm. I said, look at my face. And he goes, yeah, look at your face. What can I do with your face? What can you do with his face? I go like that. I swear to God. I go, look at this. I'm getting old. I said, I want to maybe you could fix it up a little bit. Dr. Oz, are you there? I'm here, Arthur, and I want to get applaud you, having worked with you on a book and numerous other activities. You want to talk to Arthur Perry? The best in plastic surgery. Remarkable knowledge, but also your grace at delivering content, which is why it's been a blessing to have you on my show so many times. When I was a resident at the University of Chicago, we had a... That means you're smart. As a really, really gifted physician, uh, I want to pay you the, the highest tribute I can give to a surgeon, which is when people come to you, they don't come for an operation, they come for an opinion. And that's why I trust you with my uh, friends and relatives. I didn't realize we were going to get the Michael Jordan of plastic surgeon. 90210 bows to this guy. And welcome. This is Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. And I'm very happy to be back on the air. We were off preempted by football for uh, a few weeks. It seems like a few years, doesn't it? It's been a while, but uh, I am back. I am live this evening, and we're broadcasting from Sag Harbor from the Hamptons, uh, the end of the Hamptons season uh, today. So much so that the UV index was only 2.2 today. You know it's the end of summer <laughs> when it's 2.2. And what does that mean? You know, the UV index goes from 1 to 11, and when it's over 3, you need sunscreen. So you did not need sunscreen today. And uh, as you hear about sunscreen and UV indices and things of that nature, you realize that this is the Plastic Surgery Show here on WOR. I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon, Dr. Arthur Perry. been hosting this show with Noah Sitting there in the studio, I'm still banished to the outside world. The, uh, the hosts are not in the studio yet, but hopefully soon. But here it is, October, coming up on the 17th anniversary of What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. And I hope you're enjoying listening. If you are listening for the very first time, where, where on earth have you been? We've been here every Saturday night for 17 years, except when football uh, gets in the way. But not tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about you. We're going to be talking about your wrinkles. We're going to be talking about your jowls, your protuberant belly, your breasts that sag, the small breasts, the big breasts, the droopy breasts, you know, fat on the hips, the Brazilian butt lift. We're going to talk about that tonight. Yep, I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon, host of the show. Uh, I've trained at some good places at Harvard, Cornell, and the University of Chicago. I'm on the faculty of Columbia University and Rutgers University and in practice in New Jersey and very soon back in Manhattan. Been there, uh, been in Manhattan for 15 years, but uh, with COVID uh, bailed out like so many people. But we're coming back and uh, we're opening up the Tribeca Aesthetic Institute very soon. We'll keep you informed as we, uh, as we uh, are breaking ground now and building the operating rooms in Tribeca. You're gonna love this place. It's really going to be wonderful. We talked uh, with my partners, uh, Dr. Tepper and Dr. Garfine, over the last few weeks. We're going to be talking to them again, and uh, we'll bring you up-to-date news on this brand-new surgery center in Tribeca. Well, tonight I've got a good show planned for you. I always have a good show planned, but we've got Dr. Jason Spector coming on in just a little while. He is the chief of plastic surgery at Cornell. Uh, part of the New York uh, Presbyterian system. He is uh, the new chief. We're going to talk to him about uh, his new role and about uh, some interesting things in plastic surgery. 
Uh, we're going to talk about facelift surgery tonight, one of my favorite topics. I do a lot of facelifts. And the question is, should you have your facelift when you're in your 40s or should you wait till you look really much older, maybe in your 60s? There is an answer to that question. Now, we're going to talk about it tonight on What's Your Wrinkle? But most importantly, I like your phone calls. 800-321-0710 is the phone number here at WOR. 800-321-0710. Write it down. Give us a call, you know, preferably in the beginning of the show because what happens every week for 17 years, you listen to the show, you like what you're hearing, and somewhere around 10 minutes before the end of the show, you give me a call, and I can only take one or two of your calls. So uh, intersperse them through the show, 800-321-0710. When you, if you call, we'll give you a bottle of Nighttime. Nighttime is my skincare, and it's got vitamin A and vitamin C and lactic acid. That's one of the fruit acids. It's got antioxidants and skin brighteners, everything you need in a skincare program in one light serum that you put on your face at night before you go to sleep. And it works while you sleep. And a lot of people wonder, well, why do you put these things on at night? If you ever see a skin cream or, or serum or gel that you put on in the morning that contains vitamin C or vitamin A, you know that it can't possibly work. And the reason for that is because those vitamins, vitamin A and C, I call them the vampire vitamins. They need to live at night. If they're exposed to ultraviolet light, even for a few seconds, they get destroyed. So if you put vitamin C on your skin in the morning in a uh, skin cream, it's useless within a few minutes. So you put it on at night before you go to sleep. Let it work all night long, and then you wash it off in the morning. That's how you're supposed to use vitamin A and vitamin C. But a lot of the companies, either they don't have a, a chemist that knows what they're doing, or they don't have a clinician like myself running the company, uh, or maybe they just don't care. You know, I don't know. But uh, you see it all the time when you go in the stores. All right, so uh, today's UV index we said was 2.2. That means you don't need sunscreen. You didn't need it today. Tomorrow it's even worse. It's 0.8. It's going to be cloudy. I think it's going to rain a little bit tomorrow. You don't need sunscreen unless the UV index is 3. And that was proven in a study published a couple of years ago in Australia. So despite the fact that the dermatologist will tell you to use sunscreen every single day, you really don't have to. It does no good if the UV index is under 3.0, and it is all weekend and even Monday. Oh, I, I, before we go on, I want to uh, let you know that Dr. Mehmet Oz is going to be my guest next week on this show. Uh, he's been a, a guest a number of times before. I'm really, really happy as he uh, starts his new season on, uh, on the Dr. Oz show, and I'm happy to also tell you and Noah that I'm going to be a guest on his television show in a few weeks. So next week after, uh, after we film it, we're filming this Thursday, uh, I'll uh, update you on what we're talking about and uh, when you can tune in. Uh, so I'll be on the Dr. Oz Show. And if you, uh, if you look at the Red Table Talk, how many of you know what that is? A lot, a lot of people do. You know, I didn't know much about Red Table Talk, and I was on it a few weeks ago. And they just broadcast the episode a couple days ago. So you can get the Red Table Talk episode. It's with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, and Jada's mother, and Jada's daughter, and they sit around the, the kitchen table talking about all sorts of interesting topics. And I was a guest last week talking about how to stay safe in cosmetic surgery and what procedures are dangerous, specifically the Brazilian butt lift. The Brazilian butt lift. And we'll talk a little bit about that 
on tonight's show also, and, and on the, the Dr. Oz show maybe. And we'll ask Dr. Oz next week what he thinks about that. But you can look on, uh, on Facebook for Red Table Talk, and you can also look on YouTube. Uh, and those of you who get the Facebook Watch Network, which is a network, uh, you know, it's like uh, there's so many new networks now, aren't there? But you can get uh, the Red Table Talk episode and, uh, and take a look and uh, give me a call and let me know what you thought of that one. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry, board-certified plastic surgeon, host of What's Your Wrinkle? And, uh, and tonight we're going to be talking about, well, a lot of my favorite topics. Let's start off with the facelifts. So many of you have had facelifts. Many of you want facelifts. You know there's 65 million women who could benefit from facelifts, 65 million. They fall into the category of age 45 to 75, and that's, a, that's about the age of, uh, of women who want facelifts. And I say women because 98% uh, of uh, people who have facelifts are women. Uh, some men have facelifts, but there's some inherent problems with facelifts in men, and I talked to one of my ma male patients this week about this. Uh, he uh, was talking about a facelift, but when we do a facelift in a man, we lift the skin of the face, and that brings the hair-bearing skin of the face onto and into the ear. And those of you who have a lot of hair in your ears or on your ears or on your lobes or on your tragus, that's that thing that sits in front of the ear, you know that it's a real pain in the neck to shave that hair. So that's one of the problems. Men don't wear makeup. That's another problem. Uh, you need makeup for a long time, weeks, months after a facelift. My goal with a facelift, by the way, is to make the incisions good enough so that after a couple months you can go out without makeup. That's my goal. That's usually the case. Every now and then someone always will need uh, makeup. But uh, for the most part, my goal is uh, no makeup after a couple months. So the study that was uh, just published um, and uh, this was in Aesthetic Surgery Journal. They looked at women, uh, and uh, they looked at women and the, the duration of the years, the right time to, form to perform facelifts, the healing time after facelifts, how long it takes to heal. The question that I am uh, most interested in, and you probably are also, is what's the right age for a facelift? You, should you have it at the very first sign of your jowl, which uh, appears in most women somewhere in the late 40s? Should you wait for the turkey gobbler to appear in your neck? You know what that is. That's the, uh, the hanging skin, maybe a little bit of fat in the bands of the neck that uh, are very unattractive. Should you wait for that to become obvious? Or do you do it in the first sign of a facelift? It's hard to answer that question. Uh, but this study and a few others tried to answer it. And it, it turns out that the younger you are when you have your facelift, if you're in your, let's say, late 40s or maybe 50 or so, the longevity of the facelift is significantly greater than if you wait until you're in your 60s and those wrinkles and crags and hanging skin are, are very, very obvious. So if you have a facelift at, let's say, 47 years old, you may get 13, 14, 15 years out of that facelift before you start thinking of having another one. If you have a facelift when you're 65, you may get only five, six, or seven years. So the older you are with a facelift, having a facelift, the less time you'll have before you need your next one. And that's why it actually does make sense to have them earlier, before those, uh, those little wrinkles become crags, before the, uh, those, uh, those little tiny wrinkles become the uh, deep Colorado River, uh, you know, 
those those wrinkles that you see that are very very deep well i'm dr arthur perry we're going to take a short break and when we return we have dr jason specter chief of plastic surgery at uh, cornell university medical college right here in manhattan the phone number here is 800-321-0710 we'll be back after these words Did you know that most skincare is useless, even fraudulent, and often toxic? I'm plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. I needed great skincare for my patients, but really could not find products that dramatically improve skin health. So I went to the books and I created a line of skincare that reduces the appearance of wrinkles and truly rejuvenates skin. I want everyone to try my products, and so for a limited time, I'm offering my Beauty in a Bottle Nighttime Serum at a great price. Normally, this is $65, but for WOR listeners, it's $40 plus shipping. Nighttime contains vitamins C and A, fruit acids, antioxidants, and skin brighteners. That's all you need for beautiful skin. It's so simple that your friends and relatives will be asking you, what are you doing to look so good? Go to drperrys.com, that's D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com, or give us a call at 844-DR-PERRY. Use the WOR20 code for the discount. To learn more, listen every Saturday evening, 6 p.m., right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? And we are back. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry, board-certified plastic surgeon and host of What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. We've got uh, Dr. Jason Spector on the line. Dr. Spector, are you there? I'm here, Arthur. Can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Thank you so much for taking time on your Saturday evening. Dr. Spector is the uh, the brand-new chief of plastic surgery at Cornell University Medical College. In uh, It's wild Cornell now, uh, right here in Manhattan. And uh, he is... Uh, a plastic surgeon with a fairly unique background. He uh, he trained at New York University. No one holds that against you, Dr. Spector, but <laughs> he went to medical school there and uh, did his general surgery and plastic surgery residency at uh, NYU, and he is on the faculty of Cornell, and we have a joint program, Cornell and Columbia, in plastic surgery, and has been an integral part of that program for many, many years. But I wanted Dr. Spector on the uh, show this evening because uh, he's one of the great researchers in plastic surgery in a field that doesn't have a tremendous number of researchers. Would you agree with that? Well, I, I think there are actually a fair number of people who are conducting research, you know, both clinical, but I think you're talking about basic science type of research. There, there are a fair number of people both across the country and, I'd say, around the world, and some of it is very impressive. But I think in general, um, people aren't aware of it because they associate plastic surgery primarily with cosmetic surgery. And, you know, that's not the first thing you think of with cosmetic surgery is that, oh, there must be some, you know, intense basic science research going on. So, so the, you know, surprisingly or not, there, there is a fair amount going on. Well, you are the director of the uh, Laboratory for Bioregenerative Medicine and Surgery at Wild Cornell. Now, that's uh, in addition to being a stellar clinician, a guy that you want to operate on you if you want a plastic surgeon. So Dr. Specter has a unique perspective within uh, plastic surgery. Now, there's a controversy in plastic surgery now over certain uh, certain clinical um, clinical procedures, one of those being the Brazilian butt lift procedure, Dr. Spector. And, that, you know, I look at that procedure. It came out uh, years ago 
before there were really good publications that showed that it was safe and that it was effective. And that, that happens in my field, in our, in our field of plastic surgery, where, where, the, where the actual procedure is out there way before the studies are. And, and that's contrasted with something like cardiac surgery, where uh, a, uh, a valve, for instance, takes 10 years to get FDA approval before it's out there. So what, what's different about our field than, let's say, cardiac surgery? How do these, how do these things happen? Well, I think it boils down to the difference between, you know, new devices, which have to go through a very rigorous regulatory approval pathway, and new procedures themselves. So when you do a Brazilian butt lift, and in general, that's just another way of saying you're taking a large amount of fat from one part of the body and putting it generally into the buttocks area, There's nothing new. You know, plastic surgeons, as you know, have been doing that now for the past two decades, using fat transfer very effectively, both for reconstructive and aesthetic purposes. But, you know, one of the reasons that, that, you know, doctors and surgeons are able to innovate so well in general is that there's no limitation on taking the tools that are available to them and, and applying them in different ways. Um, in this case, you know, sometimes and in other cases, it, it can lead to some unpleasant and, and even dangerous outcomes. And that's where, you know, the regulatory bodies, um, which are comprised largely of doctors themselves, should step in and, and, you know, if there are obvious issues, take action to mitigate those issues. Yeah, and, and and you said it right there. I think the, the FDA, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, the FDA regulates drugs and they regulate devices. So if you, Dr. Spector, wanted to do a surgical procedure with a device that you made, I don't think you can really do that without FDA approval, correct? Yes, not not in this decade. You could do it. You know, there's the famous story of the first time that uh, Dr. DeBakey, speaking of cardiac surgery, was a famous cardiac surgeon and wanted to solve the problem of, of patients who had aortic aneurysms. And his, his solution was to go to the local hardware store and buy some Dacron tubing, which he then sterilized and thought would make an adequate replacement for an aorta, which it did. Um, that was the 1960s. Our regulatory pathway is very different. So, no, anything that you want to put into a patient has a very, very um, uh, challenging regulatory pathway. And it's, you know, even if you want to put things onto patients, um, that is a much, you know, there's still regulatory issues, but much uh, less work involved. So, and it's a good thing. It, it protects patients. Um, it can be frustrating at times, and it can cause things, as you, as you mentioned, to, you know, I think the average device takes about seven or eight years to, you know, get through the approval process. So there's a reason for it, to protect patients. Absolutely. And a lot of the, a lot of people don't realize that surgical procedures are innovated constantly, particularly by plastic surgeons. I mean, you know, how often has it been that you've been in the operating room and there's something maybe a little bit different than you expected, and you have to kind of make something up as you go along, and that's one of the things that draw uh, plastic surgeons to the field of plastic surgery, the creativity of it. So uh, these things can't be regulated. You can't just say, the government can't say, well, a procedure has to be done exactly this way. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Our our field, um, in particular, as you mentioned, because we operate 
all over the body without any territorial limitations. We off, and we are the problem solvers um, for many of the other surgical specialties. We really do have to think in, in new ways. I mean, I joke around with my residents, and when we have a particularly challenging case, say, you know, there is no textbook chapter for what we're doing here. And even at my seasoned age, I'm now, you know, hard to believe, but in, in my sixth decade of life, I'm still doing cases sometimes that I've never done before. And that's the fun and the challenge and why we do it. But innovation is, you know, in the DNA of, of what all surgeons do, but especially what plastic surgeons do. Absolutely. But when the, when we talk about the Brazilian butt lift, though, what happened here is that a procedure became popularized and then the death started rolling in, in the dozens and then hundreds. And what what that did was it called a lot of attention. And, and what scared me the most, Dr. Spector, was that uh, many of these deaths were by board-certified plastic surgeons, not by you know non-plastic surgeons or estheticians injecting caulk or something like that into the buttock, uh, but by real plastic surgeons who knew what they were doing. And, and that tells me that there's an inherent problem with this procedure. And so... Uh, because of all these deaths in the state of Florida, the uh, the legislature stepped in and told plastic surgeons how to do the procedure, which is always very dangerous as far as I'm concerned. And they said, you, if you go underneath the muscle, into the muscle or underneath the muscle of the buttocks, uh, you lose your license. It's really true. It's a law in Florida. And that is very scary. And that's what we all in plastic surgery and medicine don't want to happen. We want to regulate ourselves, uh, not have some... Uh, uh, elected official tell us what we can be doing in the operating room. What do you think? I, I think that it's a system that has worked for, you know, well over a century. And if you, you have a responsible profession, um, then self-regulation is indeed the best course. Now, there are going to be times like what you just mentioned where uh, that self-regulation is imperfect and then draws attention. And I, I think even though obviously several deaths, as you mentioned, were caused by board-certified plastic surgeons, there certainly were others that weren't. There are all kinds of other injections done with, as you mentioned, um, just household materials that's extremely dangerous. And so the, the problem is, is magnified and, and really, you know, draws a significant amount of attention. But there's no doubt that you don't want to get non-physicians getting into the regulatory business and you know it it can be uh just make things more challenging and if you don't have people who are actually performing the procedures doing the regulation doing the self-policing um sure it has unintended you know it, it's the unintended consequences of good intentions um, which aren't always very good so with, with that you know procedure itself which Personally, I am not a fan of um, for, you know, just I don't love the aesthetics of it, but just the it's it's a procedure that, right, is just fraught with complications. And I've seen many patients who've asked for it, and I have basically turned 99% of them away for those reasons. And same, same with me. So now you're, uh, I'm speaking, by the way, with Dr. Jason Spector. He is the chief of the Div Division of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery, professor of surgery and otolaryngology, that's ear, nose, and throat at Weill Cornell Medicine. You're also an adjunct professor in the, uh, the uh, biomedical engineering. That's, that's a feat for a plastic surgeon at Cornell University. So, but, you, but you operate. What are your uh, procedures that you like to do the most? 
I have spent many years um, doing post-oncologic reconstruction, so after, after cancer, either in the head and neck area um, of the breast, some post-traumatic reconstructions as well. Um, and then, of course, I enjoy doing, you know, one of the reasons I love plastic surgery is you can do the reconstructive procedures, and then you get to do aesthetic procedures as well. So I love doing aesthetic procedures of the face and breast as well. Um, it's it's very satisfying to be able to do both, and, and I'm also fortunate to have a team that, you know, works very hard, and, and we're able to innovate um, on the science side and, and also do some clinical research as well. It's, it's really just keeps me from getting bored. And and, uh, and you do such a wonderful job. The residents have the greatest respect for uh, for you, Dr. Spector. Listen, let me know uh, what your uh, office number is, if patients, if uh, listeners out there want to get a hold of you, if they are, are in need of plastic surgery, in need of uh, one of the uh, the complex reconstructive procedures that you might uh, do, what's the number uh, of your office for patients to call? Sure. And, of course, doing lots of aesthetic stuff, just not Brazilian butt lifts. So don't call me <laughs> right. BBL. It's yeah. uh, 646-962-8471, and, yeah, would love to hear from you. And the website that uh, your division has is what? The website is, uh, if you go to Wild Cornell Medicine um, and look up plastic surgery or my name, it, will, it should pop up or just Google Jason Spector, MD, and uh, you'll find me. Great. Give that phone number out one more time if you would. Sure thing. 646-962-8471. All right, Dr. Jason Spector, I want to thank you so much for taking time. I know you've got such a busy schedule, and I appreciate your coming on the show. Thanks so much. Arthur, it was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, just got home from a great high school football game where my son's team won, so good day. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good day. Great. Thanks so much, and, uh, right. and have a great weekend. All right, I'm Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR. There's more to the show. I know we have a lot of callers, so hang on. We're going to take a short commercial break, and we'll come back. 800-321-0710 is the phone number. 800-321-0710. We'll be back after these words. Ladies, are you looking older than you feel? I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. Aging is inevitable. We all know that, but I can help you age gracefully. I start with Botox to lessen frown lines, and I use the new Restylane Kiss. What a great name! To, well, you know, give you more kissable lips. No duck lips here. And I smooth the jawline and plump marionette lines with Juvederm. We might remove unsightly blemishes or even reduce splotchiness and rejuvenate the skin with a chemical or laser peel, or I can thicken crepey skin with Althera. And for the most dramatic rejuvenation, I perform short scar face and neck lifts. Let's sit down in my Somerset, New Jersey, or Beverly Hills offices for an hour consultation and come up with a plan to help you look better. Give me a call at 833-PERRY-MD. That's 833-P-E-R-R-Y-M-D. Check me out on the web at perryplasticsurgery.com. And don't forget to listen to me, Dr. Arthur Perry, every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? And we are back. This is Dr. Arthur Perry. This is What's Your Wrinkle right here on WOR, the phone number 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. I want to thank Dr. Jason Spector once again. Uh, for taking time. He's a, a busy guy and a great plastic surgeon. I really do appreciate him coming on. All right, we've got Nancy on the line. Nancy, what can I do for you? What is your wrinkle? 
Uh, thank you for taking my call. I've been applying your nighttime approximately two hours after putting moisturizer on my face. Is that? Am I doing something wrong? Well, are you removing the moisturizer by washing your face first? No. Well, then you are. <laughs> oh, no, and, really? No, the, the reason is the uh, active ingredients in my nighttime have to soak into your skin. And if you put a moisturizer on your skin first, then it will basically block the entrance of what's called the water-soluble vitamins, which are oh. uh, things like vitamin B3, vitamin C. Those are vitamin water-soluble vitamins. So, so it won't get into the skin. The vitamin A might get into the skin. Uh, so I recommend washing your face and having the skin as clean as possible, removing all traces of makeup, and my Clean Time Soap will remove most makeup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and then go ahead and put the uh, nighttime on. And as long as you put it on more than 15 minutes before you go to sleep, you're fine. The reason you want to wait a little while is not because of what it does, but it takes a while for the serum to dry. And if you put it on and lean on your pillow with it wet, you will stain your pillow with the vitamin oh, C. That's what so that's I've been why. doing. Uh, okay, can, yeah. I ask, can I ask you one quick question? Sure, sure. Another one. Um, is there a prescription cream for ros- rosacea that can help with... Uh, you know, some redness on the face. Yes. Yeah, there are. In fact, there are many of those uh, of, of prescription creams for rosacea. Some are antibiotics and some are anti-inflammatory or steroid type of things. But if you have rosacea, what you do, you need a, a dermatologist. Do you have a dermatologist? I do, yes. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's what's called bread and butter for a dermatologist. You know, they, they see rosacea every single day in their practices. Uh, and they might prescribe Aratia. That's a nice one, Aratia for rosacea. That's a, whoever named that one was a. That's a, a good name. But there, there are different approaches. But you need to be seen by a dermatologist. You should not try and treat rosacea on your own. And plastic surgeons do not treat rosacea. The only time I get involved in rosacea is in the in the later stages of rosacea when you have the capillaries. Uh, which a lot of women get over over their cheeks and their nose. Do you have that? The visible capillaries. Well, they're not. They're like little red dots, are they? Right, right. Yeah, and they get worse over time if you let it. That's why you really want to treat the uh, the rosacea and keep it as calm as possible. And of course, there are foods uh, and environmental conditions that aggravate rosacea: alcohol, cigarette smoking, things like that. Uh, certain chemicals. Um, so you want to get a good list from your dermatologist, things to stay away from, things to avoid, uh, medications that you can use for the rosacea. And when it gets to the point where your skin thickens and you get red capillaries and hopefully you won't get to that point, that's where the plastic surgeon comes in and I laser those. And we do go through a treatment. I did one of these last week uh, where um, the person had significant rosacea on her face. And I kind of beat down the capillaries they come back in a few years, but it's sort of like weeding a garden. You know, you, you know that uh, the weeds are going to come back, but you want it to look as good as possible now and for the future. And so that's what the role of the laser is. It will, uh, it will calm 
the redness, and uh, and some people get really big capillaries, almost visible veins on the face from rosacea. So uh, so that's where I come in. And, and in some people, there's a, an extreme of rosacea, a thickening of the skin, something called rhinophyma, which we don't see as much anymore. And I think the reason we don't see it is because of the good treatment by the dermatologists of rosacea. But rhinophyma, do you remember Carl Malden? Do you remember him, the actor? Yes. Yeah, yeah he, had, he had a rhinophyma. Jimmy Durant, Durante, or even, oh, yeah. even older. He was really old, right? Uh, when we were kids, he was old. But uh, he had thickened skin of the nose, rhinophyma. And I have, in those cases, shaved the skin of the nose down, lasered it down. And in, some, in one very memorable case, I lifted the skin off of the nose and removed almost a half an inch of skin and then recontoured it because the skin grows and becomes very, very... Uh, unsightly. So we don't want it to get to that point. And that's an end stage of uh, rosacea. So uh, see the dermatologist, get the treatment, and you won't get there. Thank okay? you very much. Yes, All thank right. you. Nancy, thanks so much for the phone call. I'm Dr. Arthur Perry, board-certified plastic surgeon, host of this show. And uh, we've got, there's lots of calls tonight. Thank you. Uh, you know, they're the backed up with uh, the football games. You know, you couldn't get through. Everyone was listening. I had patients tell me, uh, what's going on? You're, you're preempted every week. Well, you know, it's, uh, I went to Rutgers, so how can, I, uh, how can I not root for that team, right? Well, anyway, we have Carl on the line. Carl, what can I do for you? What is your wrinkle? Uh, good evening, doctor. My curiosity is when it comes to a, a, a full neck lift, what is the expectation that the patient will have a complete um, non-sagging of the area, or would there still be some uh, what they call turkey jowl, whatever that is, that turkey part on the bottom? Okay, the Carl. Chin. How old? How old are you, Carl? Fifty-seven. Uh, so you're a youngster, Carl. You're a youngster. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pediatric patient in my practice. Uh, Fifty-seven. So. <laughs> Uh, no, but but facial rejuvenation starts. Uh, you know, I I do Botox in women in their twenties now. How about that? I do with wrinkle filler as uh, in the twenties even. You know, people don't like these things, uh, and so we prevent aging as you go along. So you're 57 or so. That's good. Uh, you've got jowls now. Now, just for definitions, jowls are along the jawline. So when you are 30. If you uh, drew a line from the bottom of your ear to your chin and traced your the bone of your jaw down, it was nice and straight, right? It would have been, unless you were overweight, you don't get jowls. But you start getting jowls in your 40s. And you're 57. A jowl is a uh, protuberance of fat and fibrous tissue that sags down from the cheek and disrupts your jawline and kind of makes you look older. That's different from the turkey gobbler. We have wonderful names for all these things in plastic surgery, don't we? But the turkey gobbler, that's, that's fat underneath your chin and hanging skin and the muscle, the muscle called the platysma muscle. Platysma, it's one of those hard words to say. But the platysma muscle, there are two platysma muscles. And in most people, they do not join in the middle. And you don't see those in the beginning when you're in your 30s or 40s. But by the time you're in your late 50s, you see those muscles, not because the muscles have changed, but because the skin begins to sag and it shows the outline of those muscles. So what do we do? In a man, 
as I was saying earlier, a facelift is a hard sell. It really is. And, and it's a rare operation in a man because, because men don't wear makeup. And this is an operation which requires wearing makeup for weeks or even months. Uh, that's a facelift. And also in a man, a facelift lifts the skin of the cheek up and back. And if you look at your face, Carl, I'll bet you have your beard that starts in most men about a half an inch or so in front of the ear. Is that about right with you? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, all right. Well, when I lift that skin in the average person who's 57 years old, I'm going to be removing more than half an inch of skin. I'm going to actually remove it. I'm going to lift it up, lift that skin right up off the fat of your cheeks, I do a two-layered facelift, so I lift a second layer also. That's your jowl in its own layer. I'll trim some of the fat of the cheek and of the jowl, and then I'll lift that skin up, and I attach it to the top of the ear in the most, uh, that's the most tension uh, in that area because I'm aiming that skin up and back. So I have extra skin in the sideburn area and extra skin in front of the ear that I then remove. And it's a tailoring operation. The plastic surgeon has to be artistic and has to be a pretty good tailor because when we remove that skin, I sew the skin back to uh, make it look natural and normal. But in a man, that brings hair-bearing skin into the ear, and that's a very unpleasant situation. So a better operation, I think, in a man is not to get that kind of dramatic result that a woman gets with a facelift, uh, but rather to suction the skin of uh, suction the fat from the neck underneath the chin and in the neck area, and then to take those muscles, those turkey gobbler muscles, the platysmal muscles, and sew them together. So instead of two bands, we sew them together. And an interesting thing about the uh, the neck muscles is that the tighter I sew those muscles, the more they hug your neck, the more they hug your trachea your Adam's apple, your esophagus, they go in. And it's kind of uh, counterintuitive for those of you people who play the guitar. If you tighten a guitar string, it begins to bow, and that's what's called a bow string. That's not what happens in a human. The tighter we make it, the better the contour of the neck. And then uh, after removing the fat and tightening that muscle, we uh, lay the skin back. Now, that doesn't tighten all that extra skin, so it doesn't solve the problem if you have a lot of extra skin in your neck. But it does solve the problem if you're the typical man with just some extra fat and some uh, sagging muscle. So we accept some, some relaxation in a man that we would not accept in a woman. Uh, and you know, it's a different operation. But sometimes a man does have a facelift. But probably only about 2% of all facelifts uh, are done in men, something in that area. Not many. Oh, yeah, I'm so, not talking about a facelift. I'm strictly talking about the neck lift. Well, yeah, okay, so, so Carl, a, ne a neck lift and a fake li facelift, these are difficult to, uh, to uh, I guess they're difficult words because a facelift is often confused for a neck lift. A true facelift is a neck lift and a cheek lift. And a lot of people think it's also a brow lift. It's not. So just that neck lift. But, but a neck lift, what we're talking about, doesn't physically lift the skin of the neck. So it's a misnomer. It's not a well-named uh, procedure. A neck lift tightens the muscles of the neck, and it removes some of the fat of the neck. That's what that does. Right. 
And All do right. you have anything left hanging in the in in the under the chin? And you may. You you may, Carl. So so it depends. And if that's intolerable to you, then uh, then I mean, some in some cases it's inevitable. And some people have so much skin in the neck and so much fat in the neck that we in plastic surgery tell them that we're going to do a neck tightening procedure. We're going to do a facelift, and then in about a year. We're going to do a second one. Sometimes that happens where we can, because if you have a fair amount of fat and a fair amount of skin, we can't get it out in all in one operation. So sometimes we we just plan on two. Uh, that's not common. Uh, I've only done that a few times in my career, uh, but the average person we can get that skin out in one procedure. But again, if you're a man and you only want the neck, you don't want an incision made in front of the ear, which is the facelift or the cheek lift part, uh, you're going to have some skin remaining in the neck by definition. You can't get it out unless you, uh, you make that incision around the ear. Okay. All right. All now, right. All, there's a lot of these non-invasive type of things that people are doing now. So there are a lot of machines. One is called Ulthera. Althera is high-energy focused ultrasound, and I've been doing it for over 10 years in people. I've had the procedure myself on my neck and on my cheeks, um, and it can be also done in the forehead. So Althera can tighten the skin a little bit, but not a lot. And then there are laser procedures. Cannot be done in the neck because the laser, if we try and tighten skin in the neck, we'll get scarring. We can tighten the skin of the cheeks with the laser. And then there are other procedures. And in coming weeks, I'm going to talk about some of these newer procedures that use electric current underneath the skin to tighten the skin, um, removing some of the fat and tightening the skin. In my opinion, they're kind of not the best compromise uh, because they're expensive procedures, and they, uh, they just don't do what a facelift does. I like the appearance of a facelift, and I think a facelift is an excellent operation. With the exception, in a man. It's a, it's a tough one in a man. All right, Carl? All right. Thank you. Very useful. Well, thank you so much for calling What's Your Wrinkle? I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. The phone number here at WOR is 800-321-0710, 800-321-0710. There is more to the show, so please stay tuned. I've got all sorts of fun things to talk to you about. A little bit more about facelifts and a little bit more about skincare in pregnancy. I'll be back after these messages. Did you know that most skincare is useless, even fraudulent, and often toxic? I'm plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. I needed great skincare for my patients, but really could not find products that dramatically improve skin health. So I went to the books and I created a line of skincare that reduces the appearance of wrinkles and truly rejuvenates skin. I want everyone to try my products, and so for a limited time, I'm offering my Beauty in a Bottle Nighttime Serum at a great price. Normally, this is $65, but for WOR listeners, it's $40 plus shipping. Nighttime contains vitamins C and A, fruit acids, antioxidants, and skin brighteners. That's all you need for beautiful skin. It's so simple that your friends and relatives will be asking you, what are you doing to look so good? Go to drperrys.com, that's D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com, or give us a call at 844-DR-PERRY. Use the WOR20 code for the discount. To learn more, listen every Saturday evening, 6 p.m., right here on WOR. Ladies, are you looking older than you feel? I'm board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry. 
Aging is inevitable. We all know that. But I can help you age gracefully. I start with Botox to lessen frown lines. And I use the new Restylane Kiss. What a great name. To, well, you know, give you more kissable lips. No duck lips here. And I smooth the jawline and plump marionette lines with Juvederm. We might remove unsightly blemishes or even reduce splotchiness and rejuvenate the skin with a chemical or laser peel. Or I can thicken crepey skin with Althera. And for the most dramatic rejuvenation, I perform short scar face and neck lifts. Let's sit down in my Somerset, New Jersey or Beverly Hills offices for an hour consultation and come up with a plan to help you look better. Give me a call at 833-PERRY-MD. That's 833-P-E-R-R-Y-M-D. Check me out on the web at perryplasticsurgery.com. And don't forget to listen to me, Dr. Arthur Perry, every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. right here on WOR. You're listening to What's Your Wrinkle with Dr. Arthur Perry. What's your wrinkle? And we are back. This is board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Arthur Perry, host of What's Your Wrinkle for many, many years now. And I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, well, you know, uh, go ahead and review it. Do you know you can review these shows? You know, if you're listening on a podcast, that means you're not listening live. If you go, if you go to iHeartRadio or uh, or one of the other Apple uh, podcasts, you can actually review this show. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know you could do that. But go ahead and review it if you like it. Please give me a good review. If you don't like it, do not do not review it. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> right? Isn't that uh, doesn't that just get screened out? Oh, of course, you only want to say the great things. All right, we've got Nicole on the line. Nicole, what can I do for you? What is your wrinkle? Hi, I have two questions about filler. If you let me answer, ask both of them, maybe just one, it's up to you. How <laughs> long do you have to wait um, if you get filler before you can get a facelift? Should it all be out, or can you do it with filler in the person? Okay, for, wait, first of all, let's slow down, Nicole. How old are you? 87. <laughs> you are not 87 years old, Nicole. Tell me how old you are. Be dead on the ground. Uh, let's say just say 40s, late 40s. Let's Perfect say time late, for a facelift, you said. Late say. <laughs> okay. Let's just say you're late 40s. Okay, Nicole. All right. So how long now? Ask me. Ask the question once again. How long with the filler? Go a ahead. person gets filler, you know, semi regularly, like a couple times a year or however yeah. often. Okay. How long does one have to wait prior to getting a facelift? Okay. Like, does all the filler have to, like, wear out before you can do it? Or could you do it with somebody that had Restylane two months ago or a month ago? Yes. Because remember that, first of all, the, the filler is really not being placed in an area that's lifted. So we use the wrinkle filler around the mouth, the wrinkles around the mouth. And by the way, I wanted to talk about this. I'm glad you mentioned filler because I wanted to get into filler tonight. Uh, I've heard from a lot of patients lately just how different my technique is in doing filler than others. So uh, when we talk about, after we talk about this, I'm going to talk a little bit about filler, Nicole. Uh, but I do filler in the wrinkles around the mouth. I do filler in the lips, the border of the lips, the lines uh, between the corner of the nose and the corner of the mouth. That's called the nasolabial fold. The lines between the corner of the mouth and the chin, that's called the marionette lines. Uh, I also fill the area between the chin and the jowl. And that may be what's uh, driving this question because uh, if you're not going to have a facelift, then we really want to try and fill that depression that you get when you're in your late 40s, early 50s. Uh, the jowl descends, and then it looks like a little gully between the chin and the jowl. So I use filler, and I use uh, 
Oh, either something like Juvederm Valuri, that's one of those, or Restylane Define, or one of these new Restylane Contours. There's all these new fillers now, by the way. Uh, so I'll use these fillers to uh, to get rid of that space, that, that gully between the, uh, the jowl and the chin. If you're going to have a facelift, that jowl gets lifted. So the truth is I'd probably use less, but not none, uh, less of the filler in that sulcus, that depression uh, between the chin and the uh, the jowl. But that's the only thing that would change uh, when it comes to facelift. So, but if you do have that that uh, filler, if you have it in, it absolutely in no way interferes with having a facelift. Because remember what a facelift is. Now, let's say you're 85 or you're 45 or whatever you are, Nicole. Uh, you're probably somewhere in between those two ages. I'll bet you are. Uh, we do a side Only you will know. Okay. <laughs> What's that? What'd you say? Only you'll know. Nobody else will know. <laughs> oh, I will. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So we do the, we do a sideburn incision, a, an incision that goes from the top of the ear forward. That's a, in a short scarf facelift. I used to do the incision in the hairline. We don't do that anymore. Uh, that's the long scarf facelift, but, uh, that was, uh, problematic. We lost hair. Uh, it was unnecessary to operate in the scalp behind the ear. That incision was visible. The short scars facelift, I think, is so much better. But we make a uh, an incision. It's a sideburn incision in front of the ear, and then uh, an incision just in front and slightly inside the ear for the facelift. And then through that little incision, which, by the way, is more difficult for the plastic surgeon to do, a short scar facelift is more difficult. It's better for you as a patient, but more difficult because it's uh, operating, doing a big operation through a very small incision. But that's better for you. There's less swelling, uh, certainly less scarring, and less visibility. And it's really, in my opinion, a much quicker healing period uh, for a facelift done that way. So I lift the skin, and then I lift that second layer, which is the jowl layer. For those of you who are following this really closely, it's called the SMAS, S-M-A-S, which stands for a big, long word in plastic surgery. So the SMAS is lifted in its own layer, and then I, uh, I attach that to a higher and uh, more lateral. That means a, a further back position. And then I lift the skin up, and I get rid of the extra skin, and I sew everything back. So if you think about this, I'm not really doing anything in the area that I've filled, not anything. Uh, so that's why it doesn't make a difference whether you have filler before or after the facelift. It really doesn't. They are mutually exclusive treatments and independent of each other. Perfect. That, that answers your question, Nicole? And, and then I have one that will ha probably help a lot of people. How, yeah. how long after getting filler can you get the COVID vaccine? I know you've discussed this before. I do listen religiously, and I have missed you being on, i got to tell you. But... Um, you know, is it, can you get like the, the vaccine two days later or is there a longer waiting period? Well, it looks like, I mean, the, the reaction, and I'm glad you brought that up, the, uh, the COVID vaccine seems to stimulate in a few people, a small percentage of people, a reaction around hyaluronic acid filler, which is most of our filler now, whether it's Juvederm or Restylane products or, or Bellotero or those other products. Uh, it stimulates it. And I've seen it in exactly two patients. One, of course, was a doctor. They always get those things. 
and then I also saw in a woman that I had done a lip augmentation over a year before, and her lip blew up like a plum. It was uh, really something. Both people responded very quickly to steroids. Within two days of starting steroids, they were back to normal. So if you can, if you're planning on getting the vaccine and getting filler, I would get the vaccine first. Okay, so that would be your plan. But if you can't plan this, if or if you've already had filler, you know, you just get the vaccine. And there's no time course that we know of, whether it's a week or, you know, I don't know, uh, three months or a year. I don't think it makes a difference, and I don't think anyone knows. Um, the two patients that I had, uh, they uh, one had the filler just a few weeks before the vaccine, and one had the filler over a year before the vaccine. And so that's I don't just think that filler. What about Botox? Botox is okay no matter what, right? Right. Botox it has nothing to do with the, with the COVID vaccine. Uh, this is strictly a reaction around wrinkle filler and specifically a reaction around hyaluronic acid wrinkle filler. And, and the, the blue shot's okay? Might as well get that in. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no reaction reported with a flu shot. And by the way, I recommend to all my patients, as, uh, as you may know, listening to me on the radio, everybody should be getting that, uh, that COVID vaccine. Don't listen to the misinformation out there. Please, if you're uh, in that small group now that hasn't gotten it, get your vaccine. Come on now. I've convinced many of my patients to get it. And, of course, it's flu season, so get the flu shot. Absolutely. You know, they, they want to throw any vaccine at me. I'm going to get it. I got the smallpox vaccine after 9-11 being one of the first responders. So, you know, I believe in vaccines. Uh, you know, the reaction that I got from, yes, I got my booster for the COVID. So I got a third one. And, you know, I had a sore arm for a day. Big deal, right? And I feel that my antibodies, which I had measured again, are very high, very protective, and I'm very happy about that. So I'm happy about vaccines. that, too. Good. Thank Good. you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Nicole, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate your listening. Hey, take care. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much. And everybody, don't forget, you got to listen next week. Dr. Mehmet Oz is going to be my guest, and uh, he's the busiest guy. He's the busiest guy in the United States as a doctor, that's for sure. And uh, a brilliant doctor. He was teaching anatomy at Columbia last week. His son is a medical student, first-year medical student at Columbia. What? That is uh, really something. And he's back teaching the anatomy lab with his son. That's the, that's a dream for a father, right? All right. So listen, next week I got Dr. Mehmet Oz. I. God willing, we're not going to be uh, preempted next week. I don't think I am. But then we've got a couple preemptions for football after that. Check me out on Facebook. Facebook will tell you all the different information about uh, uh, things in cosmetic surgery and things in medicine. It's facebook.com slash Dr. Arthur Perry. And when you're on Facebook, check out the Red Table Talk page. So that's an actual page on Facebook, but it's also a, a TV show that Facebook sponsors, and I was a guest last week. It's with uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith, who's Will Smith's wife and Will Smith's daughter and Will Smith's mother-in-law, and we had a long discussion about the safety of the Brazilian butt lift. It was really great. I, uh, I injected a piece of chicken with, uh, with fat and simulated a Brazilian butt lift, so <laughs> that, w- that was fun. And then we talked about staying safe in plastic surgery, how to find 
a good plastic surgeon, how to choose a good plastic surgeon, something I talk about on this show all the time. And, uh, and I know I think a lot of my patients have listened to me on this radio show and found me that way. Uh, but they've, you know, listeners have found good plastic surgeons throughout the New York uh, New Jersey and Connecticut area by listening to some of the advice and, and the advice I talk about on this show, the finding a board certified plastic surgeon, knowing where you have your doctor has hospital privileges, things of that nature. All right. The show is coming to an end. It was a good show. I know we have more people waiting to get on. Uh, and uh, give a call next week, and uh, hopefully we will uh, we'll have time to get your call on. Check me out on Facebook. As I said, periplasticsurgery.com is the website. And if you're interested in those products, those wonderful products that I personally did design, and yes, I did, it's drperrys.com. That's D-R-P-E-R-R-Y-S.com, and uh, you can go on there and... Uh, order them and uh, particularly the soap is great and nighttime is great noah thanks so much for great engineering everybody stay safe we'll see you all next week bye-bye now